As we look in the book of a book, <laughs> as we look in the book, <laughs> I've been up to, I've been up north a little bit too long, amen. <laughs> been in the book, all right, there you go, the book of Luke, <laughs> Luke chapter 14. <laughs> Turn to the book of Luke, <laughs> chapter 14. We're going to be reading a few verses of scripture there. You know, in the in the house, I believe there's a few. A few project managers in the house, or there are a few people, project support, project managers, program managers, whatever you want to call them, but it's, a, it's great to see that. And I've worked in project management myself as well, program management. And there are many tools and many things you can use, and there's a tool, a tool or a, a term used, and it's used to support the decision-making in projects, um, and the acronym is CBA, and it stands for... Cost-benefit analysis. Who knows what I'm talking about if I say that? Cost-benefit analysis, what I'm talking about, okay. So what that does is it evaluates the, uh, uh, the, the project, the, the, the worthiness of the project, and then determines its feasibility. It looks at the cost and then uh, looks at it against the, um, uh, the benefits, and it makes a judgment call to say, is this project worth continuing? Should I continue doing this? Many times I've done cost-benefit analysis to say we're about to spend this money. Are we going to see any benefit? Or what is the benefit we're going to see from this? And it's a powerful tool because if we look at something with a high cost by low benefit, we don't bother doing that. Come on, the best ones are low cost by higher benefits. We do those as well. But even if it costs a lot, but we're going to benefit a lot, we still do that because it is worth it. It determines the project feasibility. So that's what I kind of want to look about today or look around today as I preach a sermon entitled Counting the Costs. Can you say amen in this place? Counting the cost out of Luke chapter 14 and verse number 25 to 33. You know, Sunday evenings is a really great time to gather in the house of God because sometimes you can deal with those ones, those portions of scripture that it's a bit hard to kind of swallow. And this is one of them. Can you say amen in this place? Luke 14, 25. Read along with me. Oh, on your, on your phones or in your Bibles, amen. The screens are having a sabbatical right now. But read along in your Bibles, amen. It's verse number 25, it says, Now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, hey, this is Jesus Christ, come on now, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse number 27 says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It says, For which of you intended to build a tower does not sit down and first count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish it. And all who see begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king is going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the, the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks, and asks conditions of peace. Verse number 33, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Counting the costs. I want to first look with you at the cost-benefit analysis in our Christian life. 
I want to point out firstly, though, in verse number 25 of our text, that it begins with the words saying, now great multitudes went with him. Great multitudes. It's interesting because Jesus Christ had a huge following. The Bible says great multitudes. He had what some people would love to have today. We're in a social media generation where people are after likes and subscribes. Make sure you like my post or you didn't comment on my post last week. What's wrong? Are we still friends? We're looking at how many friends do we have? How many followers do we have? We're in a generation where in YouTube, people like to say, hi guys, even though there's nobody watching them. They like to say that because people want to have this kind of following. People want this following. They crave likes and subscribers. Well, Jesus had it. Bible said that there was a multitude following him and he felt the need to challenge those so that people weren't just crowding around just because it was a nice thing to do. He wanted to ensure that the people who were following him were following him in truth. And there's a quote that says, it's not how many people you can count, but it's how many people you can count on. Jesus wanted to distinguish the people he could count on versus the people he could just count. The people he could count on, he did this by revealing the price tag of following Jesus. Listen, Jesus had a crowd right then. Listen, if you give a preacher a crowd, that's all they want. That's all they want. But Jesus had a crowd and he wanted to distinguish. Okay, I see a crowd here. But who here is following me for the right reasons? In this crowd, this multitude, who here has understood the things I've been saying? Who here understands? And he distinguished that by saying, look, this is the price tag. This is what it means to follow me. That's how he brought the distinguishing. You know, it's funny. Uh, Those of you who probably remember, months ago, we started saying, listen, we want to do something uh, in the summer holidays and so on. So we announced we want to go to Flamingo Land. Everyone's like, yeah, let's go to Flamingo Land. We were talking about Flamingo Land, how to, what we're going to do when we get there, how we're going to go on this ride and go on that ride. Talking about, listen, that ride, I'm scared of rides, but I'm going to try it. We were talking about Flamingo, Flamingo Land for weeks, even months. We'll be talking about it. And it's great. Time is coming now. I remember I created a nice, I created myself, I created a nice graphic and so on, saying we're going to Flamingo Land. But the problem is I put the price up there (laughs) and when I put the price up there everyone started going quiet about Flamingo Land all of a sudden (laughs) it started no more conversations about what we're going to do there what I'm going to wear no more conversations about that because I put the price up there as like almost 50 pound per adult and what happened is people saw that and started to count the cost (laughs) I I started to count the cost myself I'm like okay there's me and my wife there's four kids I started to do the math and it didn't quite add up and listen, all of a sudden, the, the Flamingo Land just dried up. No one went. <laughs> no one went there. I took the signs off. No one went no more. What happened? What happened? When the cost was displayed, people started making some decisions. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? When the cost is displayed, people start to make some decisions. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ was doing. He said, listen, I see the crowd. I see the multitude that I hear talking about Jesus, King, talking about all these things, Hosanna, talking about that. So he sees that. What he decided to do was like, okay, you're here. Here's the cost. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to do that? You know, back to project management. In project management, 
What we do is when we look at the cost, we look at where it's allocated. Okay, it's going to cost us uh, this amount of thousand pounds to do this project. Well, where are the costs allocated? That's what I want to do right here. In our text, uh, where is the cost that allocated what Jesus Christ was saying? It says here in verse number 26, this is this. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, he cannot be my disciples. The first place it's going to cost you is in relationships. This was an audacious demand. So audacious that only God himself could have made that. That's why Jesus Christ is basically saying, listen, if you want this relationship to work, if this relationship is going to bear fruit in your life, any other relationship should come subservient to me. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. Listen, yes, you can come, be my disciples, but if there are any relationships that you regard as above our relationship, this ain't going to work. Jesus Christ said, if any of you do not hate your mother and your father. When I first read that, I was like, hey, I love my parents. Come on now. And it went further. If any of you don't hate your wife, it's like, hey, I definitely love my wife. Can you say amen in this place? And it kept on going. And we understand he's using those words. And it boggles my mind sometimes because we know that God is love. We know everything about him is love. Everything that emanates from him is love. Yet he uses the word hate. And we know if we're mature here, not to necessarily mean to detest your loved ones. He's not saying in a literal sense, you need to go back and hate your parents, go back and hate your wife please married men do not do that that I didn't say that praise God what he's saying is the love for him should outweigh or in comparison it should seem like hate for the comparison you have your allegiance to Jesus Christ should be over the allegiance to everyone and everything else Jesus is putting that out there as a gauntlet. We are to take this so serious because God takes idolatry seriously Come on, an idolatry we understand is putting anything before God. Sometimes when we look at idolatry, sometimes we look at, you know, the big golden statues and so on. I haven't got that golden statue, so I couldn't be in idolatry. But listen, God takes idolatry seriously, so much so that when he decided to write down his law, he decided to put his law down in word form. What was the first law that he put out there? Exodus 22 and verse number 3 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse number 3 said, you shall have no other gods before me. Rule number one, God is saying, I don't want anything to come between this relationship. Anything or anyone to come between this relationship. And Jesus Christ confirmed it in the New Testament. Mark 12 and verse number 30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Jesus is confirming that. And when we think of idolatry, like I said, it's, it's usually this, this big thing. I haven't got this idol or so on. I haven't got this statue. Rarely do we think of our own loving relationships as, as idolatrous. Rarely do we think of the relationships we keep as idolatrous. I want to tell you what uh, the Bible commentator David Guzik said about this. He says, the greatest danger of idolatry comes not from what is bad, but from what is good, such as a love and a family relationship. Since the greatest threat to the best often comes from the second best. Now listen to me, like I, I, we count, we understand the family, 
My pastor, Pastor Chisel, he came and preached a sermon called Focus on the Family. We understand society is built on good families, good relationships. But dare I say there are some that look at the relationships we have and then prioritize that relationship over the relationship with Jesus Christ. I remember a time so a, a, a young girl was coming to church, uh, powerfully saved, gave her life to Jesus Christ. Her life was changed and transformed. And then uh, her, her parents found out she was coming to church, wasn't too happy. She stopped coming to church. We found her one time on outreach, said, how come you're not coming to church? How come, you know, you, you got powerfully saved, you want to serve Jesus Christ? Yeah, I do. But my mom told me I can't come. Now, listen to me. Before kids start getting crazy and start going wild, we need to honor our parents. Can you say amen in this place? Come on, I need to honor my parents. My my parents are still my parents, even though I'm a parent myself. Uh, But there comes a line where if you're telling me to do something that's contrary to my relationship to Jesus Christ, you could be my mother, you could be my wife, you could be my closest brother, you could be my sister. I am not going to reduce that relationship for this relationship. And many times we see people will do things or not do things because of what relationships say. How many know Jesus said, listen, you've got to love me more than you love anybody else. You've got to love me more than you love anybody else. So the first counting or the first cost is going to cost you is in your relationships. The second place is going to cost you is in your own life and in your own will. Bible says in verse number 27, it says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. You see, the cross represents sacrifice. There's no other way to put that. Talking about the cross, it represents sacrificing something. And sometimes people like to take the good things, but when it comes to the painful things or the taxing things, it's like, nah, I'll leave that alone. You know, my favorite type of restaurant um, is, uh, has always been and probably always will be is a buffet restaurant. I don't know who's with me on this one. I know my favorite type of restaurant for many reasons. Uh, you have to go to a good quality buffet restaurant. Uh, some people talk about Real China is one of them. Some people talk about Wings is one. There's some good ones. But the reason I like buffet restaurants because I can go. I can go to the meat section. Come on now. I can go to the meat section. I can fill my plate. I can go to the, the noodles or the rice. I can you know, fill my plate with that. Uh, if there's stuff like tofu, I can just skip past that. Come on now. <laughs> right? If there's, if there's you know, stuff that's like, it don't really look too good, I can just skip past that. So I can, have an enjo- I can enjoy my meal being able to pick pieces I like. I can pick that because I like that. I can pick that because I like that. Uh, the funny thing is, I've seen some Christians live their Christian life like it's a buffet. They read the Bible, it's like, yes, I'll pick that. Thank you very much, Jesus. Yes, bless me. Talk about deny yourself. Okay, I'm going to skip past that one. But actually, can I have that instead of living their Christian life as picking and choosing? How many know the Christian life is all or nothing? Can you say I'm in this place? We can't be picking and choosing parts that we'll have and, and living our life as if it's a buffet. Jesus said, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The cross, like I said, represents sacrifice. And Jesus said to the great multitude who is before him, who would have known exactly what he meant when he said, bear your cross. Because we know in Roman times, when they crucified criminals, they didn't just hang them on the cross. They also hang the cross on them. 
They used to take the cross with them. They had to carry their cross all the way to the place. So if somebody was carrying his cross, he was never going to come back. It was a one-way trip, a one-way journey. He was going to meet his demise. And the people that would have heard Jesus say, I need you guys to carry your cross. He's basically saying, I need there to be a sacrifice from you. Sometimes people want to serve God and serve in his house, but don't want to make the sacrifice. Where is the sacrifice? Listen, we can't come without making a sacrifice. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we need to come to terms with the fact there's going to be an element of sacrifice in your life. Can you say amen in this place? Come on, this is not one of those sermons that we're going to go rah-rah with. Because I'm saying there's going to be an element of sacrifice in your life if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There are things that you will not be able to do. There's places that you will not be able to go. There's things you're going to have to literally cut off. Things that you quote-unquote may have enjoyed in the past. I'm going to have to make some sacrifices and carry this cross and go through and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So back to project management. There comes a time when we're planning projects and so on where we have to come to the nitty-gritty. What is this going to cost us? What's this going to cost the business? How, you know, how much money are we going to have to spend here? What's going to be the cost here? So if we say the same thing here, well, what's going to be the cost for following Jesus Christ? What's it going to cost you and I to follow Jesus Christ? And the answer, everything. And the thing is, sometimes we present the gospel in a way that understates the demands of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can present the gospel and give the impression that coming to Jesus Christ is only believing some facts, where instead it's about yielding a life. Come on, sometimes we can present the gospel with, listen, as long as you believe this, then you're fine. No, it's actually presenting your life to Jesus Christ. Yielding it up is going to, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is going to cost you everything. Going to cost you everything you have, all the giftings you have inside of you. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you all that God has given you. You know, there's a song that we sing, Lord, I give you my heart. What a powerful song. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. You know, wonderful song. Sometimes you see people throwing their hands up, singing that song. And it's like you need, you need to step and pause away sometimes saying, do you know what you're actually singing? <laughs> every breath that I take, what, every single breath that I take? Right? Do you know it is a, it is a sacrifice? I preached a sermon not too long ago calling about, talking about a living sacrifice. We are to recognize, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that we are to give up everything or give him everything. I want to look secondly about drawing the conclusions. You see, because the whole point in project management for the cost-benefit analysis, the whole point of it is to see if the project is worth doing. They want to see if this is worth our money. Are we going to get an ROI or return of investment? Are we going to do that? And many times, people count the cost of following Jesus Christ, count the cost and come to the wrong conclusion that I don't believe this is going to be worth it. 
Some people look and count the cost, say, I don't believe this is going to be worth all my time, my energy. And we understand the parable of the rich young ruler in, uh, uh, in the Gospels where Jesus is talking about. He speaks to a young ruler who came to him, say, teacher, what I have to do to, eternal, uh, to uh, inherit eternal life. And we know the story. Jesus tells this rich young ruler, you need to give everything, sell everything you have to the poor. In Mark 10, verse number 21, this was his response. It says, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. Verse number 22, but, he said, uh, but what he said, sorry, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrow for he had great possessions. Uh, I often think about that rich young ruler right now. I often think as we go into eternity, I don't know if he repented after, but if he didn't, can you imagine the loss he is now suffering because he counted the cost and didn't think it was worth it? He counted the cost and say, okay, I'm going to sell everything to follow Jesus. No, that's not worth it. Can you imagine him right now? Can you imagine what he's thinking now? He was saying, man, I've sold myself short. I could have given just these small possessions to inherit eternal life. I could have forgone those things to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And my life would have counted for something. But now I have made the wrong decision. I've come to the wrong conclusion. And many times we do that ourselves. Many times we look at what happens. We look at the relationships we keep and we say, you know, what it's not worth me stopping that relationship just to follow Christ it's not worth me giving my time it's not worth me devoting myself it's not worth me paying my tithe come on my temper because people think I'm not going to get a return on my investment so I'm going to keep it here for myself many times we do this Peter in the Bible is also concerned about his return of investment he said this in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 27 he said Peter answered him and said see We've left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? 28 said, Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you that in the, uh, in, the, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on his throne of glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. That is the benefit. We're talking about the cost. It is a high price, but there is a benefit to following Jesus Christ. We ourselves can be changed and transformed. And I want to kind of finish off on this last point. I just want to spend a little bit of time here. Because in our text, Jesus illustrates or uses two stories to talk about this. He talks about the man building a tower, counting the cost. He also talks about a king going to battle So I like that because Jesus is painting a picture that the kingdom of God is like building and battling. Come on, the kingdom of God is like building something up or battling through. And both of those can be very costly and so much more than someone might think at the very beginning of something. But it's important to consider the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's important to sit down and think, what's this going to cost me? But there's also another cost to consider, and that is the cost of not being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen in this place? You have to consider the cost. How much is this going to cost me following Jesus Christ? You have to look at that and think, what's it going to cost me? But also, if you decide to reject him, you have to look at those costs also. 
It costs something to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but it costs more to reject him. Come on, it costs something and we need to say uh, what God wants to say to you tonight uh, is that, listen, there is a price to be paid. You should pay the price in serving God and see what God will do. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. We then too, if we want to follow after him, he says, listen, come after me as I take my cross. Come after me. You can be my disciple. He paid the ultimate price. We should be willing to pay the price to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The significance is he went first. Can you say amen in this place? He paid the price first so that now we can see that as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we too can pay the price. Let's pay the price and reap the benefits of what Jesus Christ has for all of us. Because the thing is, if we don't pay the price, if we don't... Uh, count the cost um, of following Jesus Christ, um, then we're going to be paying the price that the world has to offer. And how many know that's a much higher price? And it's something that we're not willing to pay. We don't want to pay. But that's why Jesus Christ had to take the first move. He paid the ultimate price so we can consider this. So Jesus, picture this, has got an entire mob of people around him. And he's saying, listen, the numbers are good. Praise God for numbers. But I want something more. I require something deeper. I require something that's a bit more than just saying, yes, I too go to the potter's house. Come on now. I require more than just, yes, say, look at the pictures. I was there in the pictures. I require something deeper. I require a relationship. I require somebody to understand that this is going to cause you to sacrifice. And if you think you can serve God without the sacrifice, I'm here to tell you that is simply untrue. But the sacrifice is not going to be in vain. Can you say amen in this place? As you sacrifice, as you give your life to Jesus Christ, as I said this morning, the destiny is always going to be higher than we currently are. So we're not just sacrificing for the sake of sacrificing. I'm not a glutton for pain. I don't want to just whip myself for no reason. Listen, I'm sacrificing because I recognize the life that God has for me is better than a life I can build up for myself. So I've counted the cost. It is a high price, but I'm telling you the benefit far outweighs the price that we're going to pay. We need to look at every area in our life and pay the price. Come on, let's give God praise in this place. Look at your life and think, where is this going to cost me? It's going to cost me some sleep because that means I have to wake up early and come and find a place to pray. Can you say amen in this place? Come on. It's going to cost me some worldly entertainment because I can't study the Bible from watching soaps and Netflix all day long. It's going to cost me that because I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. It's going to cost me points in society. People are going to look at us and paint you with the same brush as some sort of fanatic. But I'm okay with that. I'm willing to pay that price because the cost or the benefit far outweighs the cost of what Jesus Christ is asking us to do. But I want us to say, listen, we need to recognize that there is going to be a cost to serving Jesus Christ. We need to pay that price. Pay that price. You know, one of the things I find interesting is that I have a lot of people that inspire me. Um, a lot of people that I look to that inspire me. 
Many people I can see from a distance, maybe it's just reading their books. Um, you know, uh, uh, I've had some people come from New York, amen. I think they went to Brooklyn Tabernacle. Jim Simbala, he's one of the people that I look at from a distance. I don't know him. It's inspiring, amen. Um, I, see, I see people that are more close to home, my own pastor. Um, the Pastor Brown, Pastor Greg Mitchell, they inspire me. Yeah? But one thing when I look at people who are in positions and I look at what they, you know, the success that they have and the things that they're going through, I look at everything around them and so on, and I say, there is somebody who has paid a price. That's what I see. When I see, I look at people, I see that person has paid a price. There's some people I know, like my own pastor, for example, Pastor Chizo. I've been able to get close to him. I've been able to see that man has paid and is still paying a price. Pastor Brown, I'm getting closer to him. I see he also is paying a price. You see, anybody doing something for God and they are successful at it, you better believe they are paying a price. It's not a case of, oh, look at them, they're lucky. Oh, look at them, they're just blessed. No, they've paid a price. And I'm saying that tonight because uh, uh, the, the, the gauntlet is out for us here to start paying a price. Let's pay a price. And as we pay the price, as we put that down, we would see that it's not going to be in vain. We'll see, we'll look back at our life after years to come and we'll see God has elevated us to a place we don't even deserve. God has taken things off and uh, uh, taken bondages and, and things off and off. He's cleaned us up all because of the price, number one, first that he paid and then the price that we then were willing to pay after that continually. And as we do that, I really do believe we would truly be disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a quote that says you can be a follower of Christ, but not a disciple of Christ. Come on, think about that. That's profound. You can wear the title. You can have everything. You could go to a church, but you're, not, you're just not willing to pay the price. That's a follower, but not a disciple. And when it comes down to it, when it, when it, when it comes down to it, followers will just fade off, but disciples will be determined. What are you, a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because I know God is calling people to be disciples. I know God is calling people to lay down their life for him. God is calling people. Oh, we wish we had a generation of people that are willing to pay the price. People are willing to sacrifice and lay it all down. And as we do that, church, as we look, as we count the costs of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, let us have a willing heart to say, God, I give you my heart. When we sing that song, Lord, I give you my heart. Let's mean it from our actual heart and give him everything. Can you say amen in this place? Come on, let's give him praise in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. Counting the costs. 